doesn't matter if you built it or the person you bought it from built it. As far as the government's concerned, it's there. They don't care who owns it, who used to own it, who built it. Uh, they don't care if you're in operation. I think the first tip I would give, I'd give to almost anybody doing anything, which is don't be a jerk. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're, you're gonna have to work with a lot of people uh, when it comes to zoning. And the easier you are to work with, the more people are gonna wanna work with you. If someone wants to start a glamping business and they, they, they need to sort of look into the zoning and permitting process and how that works, what would your step-by-step -step instructions be on what they need to do and how they need to go about it? Hello and welcome back to, well, to, to those who previously listened to this podcast feed, welcome back. To those who are listening to this for the first time, welcome. This was previously a podcast focused on starting a glamping business in the UK. It's been renamed to what I think is going to be the Glamping Business Setup Podcast, but that might change if we can find something a little bit sexier. And we are going to be focusing purely from now on on starting a glamping business in North America to coincide with the recent launch of Glamper Tech North America. Uh, for those who don't know, it is essentially what we do in the UK, but um, focused on, on starting glamping business in the US and Canada and adapting to the different rules and regulations over there. So I won't go into it too much. You can visit our website at www.glampertech.com forward slash US for more info. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll just get straight into, into it today uh, rather than bore you with the details of that. So today we're going to be talking about zoning and permitting with a particular focus on the US because that's where our guest speciality is. Uh, we've got Nick Labadee on today who has, is it 15 years of experience I heard you say once in, in the industry? Yeah, it's going on 17. Or it's going on, it's 17 years going on 18 now. I can't believe it. Great, great. So clearly we've got an expert in the building who he's going to talk to us about how the zoning system works and particularly we're going to niche down onto how it works with if you want to set up a glamping business or short-term rental or equivalent and uh, hopefully we're going to get some really good stuff and because generally zoning is, is the first hurdle that you should look at before getting into spending any money on glamping units or permits or anything like that. So uh, Nick, I'm just going to give you the floor if you'd like to talk to us about uh, what you do, how you got into it and you know how you, I suppose you, you sort of have a little bit of a niche in the glamping industry now as well. I've seen you on lots of podcasts and things like that. So away you go. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, I am an urban planner, not only by what I've been doing for the last uh, 17, 18 years, but also I, I did, get, that's what, that was my major. So unbelievably, I stuck with my major even after getting out of college. And um, I, I was interested for a long time, like many urban planners in architecture. And then when, learn, when I learned about urban planning, saw it as architecture at a city scale, which was even more appealing. Um, and, and so that's what I went into school for. And I've been doing it ever since in the private sector, where most planners you know, are the ones you deal with at the cities and counties and wherever else. Um, and so it's given me kind of a unique perspective um, of urban planning and, and real estate development in general. I have been working for many years uh, through a law firm in Arizona, but um, we've worked on projects all over the country. Um, and that is because it's a, a, it was primarily a zoning and land use law firm, which is how I fit in there. Um, and now it's grown to be much, much more than that. But uh, that's how I fit in. And, it's, and so I've worked on everything from 
you know, individual homeowners trying to do things at their house to get a variance to put the pool closer to the wall, all the way up to, you know, tens of thousands of acre master plan communities um, and everything in between. Um, for the last, you know, while, I guess I'm not sure how long here, uh, glamping has been much more popular. I've been getting into that. Um, and I've done several projects, uh, not only as a consultant, but then also in working on projects myself um, with partners. Mm -hmm. And you said you'd, you'd sort your major. I've done the complete opposite. I've just finished my law degree and I don't intend to go anywhere near that field. Although <laughs> yeah. digging into zoning ordinances kind of has some relevance to pouring through statutes and laws. So maybe it will come in handy one day, but um, I'm not going anywhere yeah. near law firms. So. <laughs> So just before before we dig into the, the specifics of um, zoning for glamping, let's just talk about the zoning system as a whole for anyone who doesn't know. You, again, you're the best person to talk about this. So I'll just give you the floor again. How does the zoning system work in the US and why is it done in this way? Yeah, that is a great question that I think is important for people to understand because it gives you an idea of where the, the folks who kind of administer zoning where they're coming from. And so a long time ago in the US, there was no zoning anywhere. It wasn't even a concept. And what could happen is you could have your house either in a town, in a semi-rural area, or all the way out in the middle of nowhere. And someone could buy the land next to you and put in the worst, most noxious, horrible, you know, use you could think of. They could be, you know, running, it could be a slaughterhouse, they could be some sort of industrial facility that had horrible smells, toxic chemicals odors, fumes, noise, all of that stuff. And so the zoning came about really to protect people from those kinds of scenarios. And the idea of zoning that um, separates these uses was to create areas that were more compatible with each other and then allow you to also kind of segregate the uses nobody wants around. Um, fast forward a couple hundred years to now, Zoning is very, very different. It still serves that purpose, but as laws tend to do over time, it's been iterated and iterated and iterated and changed so that now where once they used to just say, you can't put a slaughterhouse next to this family's home, it goes down to setbacks, to uses, to building heights, to um, what you can use, what kind of accessory uses to your primary use you can have. They've regulated things through zoning to a degree that I personally think is way farther than it was ever meant to go. But nonetheless, that's where it has come. And so your zoning can really affect anything you want to do on the property. Um, and an important thing to remember about zoning, I think for people that are fairly new to it, is that for every zoning district, there's a list of things you're allowed to do. If what you want to do isn't in that list, then you cannot do it. And so it's one of those where it has to be specifically in the list. Otherwise, it is specifically prohibited. And for those who don't know, when we, when we talk about zones, what exactly do we mean by that? Yeah, so good question. Uh, zoning is broken down into districts and every county or city uh, or in some places there are still parishes will have a zoning district um, applied to whatever property you're looking at or that you own. And that district will have a name and in that name, under that, it'll have all the regulations about what you can do there, where you can and can't do it, um, and all of those details. It'll also often in the zoning ordinance go farther to say, um, you can do this if, and those ifs are, are where it gets 
a little more tricky and there may be other approvals you need, um, but your zoning district is kind of your classification for what you, what you can and can't do on your property. And we're going to get into this later, but those ifs are hugely vital for things like glamping, right? Where you're going to, there's yeah. ifs, buts, and maybes everywhere. Um, just, just again, to, to, to make sure that everyone is following from the very start. When, when we say zoning districts, we're talking like, for example, an agricultural district, a residential, industrial, commercial, et cetera, right? Yeah, exactly. Usually those are the high level industrial, commercial, and residential. And then within those, you have varying levels of kind of intensity. So, um, you know, your low, low level industrial will allow some things that might be totally within a building and they're industrial, but only kind of, you can't see them. So the most in intense use, which will be, you know, open yards and construction and that sort of thing. And for residential, you'll go from, you know, several acres or an acre size minimum parcel to you know, high density multifamily stuff, apartments and whatnot. And this may be an overly broad question. I'm happy to rephrase it in a more specific way if you like, but what does this zoning system mean for anyone who wants to start a glamping business? Yeah, no, that, I think that's actually a great question to be general. And what it means is that just because you know, we have private property rights and just because we are a free country, it doesn't mean that you can go buy land and do whatever you want on it. You know, The government does have a say over what you can and can't do. And that's why it's important, not only because um, there's a process that you need to follow, but almost more so for if you don't follow that process, what are the consequences? And, and one of them is absolutely that they can force you to take it all down um, and they can assess fines if you don't. And eventually it escalates into you know minor criminal stuff you, you know most often it's be charged with a misdemeanor um as you know and and from there you don't want to you don't want to go farther than that i mean they mm -hmm. they can come to your property and remove everything on it mm -hmm. and that's obviously going to have a devastating impact on someone who maybe has put hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars into for example a glamping project they all excited opening guests thinking they're going to make a load of money and then it's just completely taken away from them because they haven't followed due process yeah exactly and and a really good thing to know about that is it doesn't matter if you built it or the person you bought it from built it. As far as the government's concerned, it's there. They don't care who owns it, who used to own it, who built it. Uh, they don't care if you're in operation. To them, it, they read it as this is this should be <clears throat> this should be raw land. It's not. You either need to get the approvals or you need to remove all of it. And sometimes you have to do both. Sometimes they will force you to remove all of it. Um, and while you're getting those permits, that's that's sort of rare, but but it can happen. Mm -hmm. And we've done the broad questions now, so let's start to get specific. Again, I'm going to give you the floor here. If someone wants to start a glamping business and they 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 need to sort of look into the zoning and permitting process and how that works, what would your step by step instructions be on what they need to do and how they need to go about it? Yeah, so that is a tough question. There are a lot of steps. Um, for folks that are totally new to any kind of real estate development, which is what this really is, even though it's, you may think of it as a, <clears throat> on a smaller scale, if you're just doing it for yourself, or if, um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a seasoned investor doing it on a large scale, either way, it's real estate development. And if you're new to it, um, there's a lot of due diligence that needs to go into researching a property prior to purchasing it. Um, and really, even prior to working out a deal with the property owner, if you're going to partner with them, you really have to look at 
you know, you're already going to be looking at things like deed restrictions on the property. Are there <clears throat> easements where somebody else has rights over that property? What are the exact boundaries of it? Um, you know, is it is it going to have a landslide? Are there environmental factors? Those are all things you should be looking at kind of separate from zoning. But you cannot forget the zoning part of it, which is what a lot of people do. They kind of, oh, well, we'll figure that out once we have it. But you really need to figure it out initially because you may not be allowed to do glamping at all. And so the first steps in looking at it, I would say, are to determine what your zoning is. Um, usually the easiest way to do that is through your uh, county, town, or city's GIS um, website mapping system. So th that'll be the, it's not necessarily a guarantee that's what it is, but it gives you a good solid start. Once you find out what your district is, it'll be a layer in their GIS. You go to their zoning ordinance and you find out what's allowed either by right, which means no one can tell you you can't do it. You just have to get the right building permits or it'll be conditionally allowed, which is the if we were talking about, um, or it may be that it's not allowed at all but it is allowed in a different district and you have to look at the possibility of changing the zoning, which is something that you can try to do. Um, once you know those things, whether or not the use itself is allowed, the next thing to look at is what other, um, I guess, regulations are there on the use. Often, especially for something like a campground, which is usually the most uh, similar use that glamping would fall under, they, they may have a whole chapter with specific regulations about how campgrounds can operate. And so you need to look at those and know whether or not it's something you can work with. A common requirement is that you have to have on-site uh, employees 24 seven. Uh, for a lot of glamping operations, you know, that, that doesn't really make sense, you don't need it, but if the county requires it, they require it. Um, and there, there may or may not be ways around that depending on how the approvals work. Uh, but for those reasons, you need to look beyond just the district at the um, at any other regulations that apply. And then not to go too far into the weeds, but other things that people really aren't aware of that, that they need to be is that it's not just your zoning district that dictates. There can be what are called overlay districts, um, which is basically you have your zoning district. This is a layer of rules and regulations. And then they overlay on top of that additional rules and regulations that are part of kind of a, a second layer zone. Um, and those can be all kinds of things. It may be that you're close to some key transit area. And so there are other restrictions or guidelines you have to follow. Um, it could be that there is some sort of natural, you know, open space uh, or environmental overlay that has other restrictions on how much you can build, where you can build. Uh, so you need to look at that. And then Separate from zoning, and I know we're, we're kind of talking zoning, but in a related um, way, the above zoning is what's called usually a general or comprehensive plan. These are much more kind of guiding documents than they are regulatory, um, but they do establish a use, so a land use type. If that doesn't match what you wanna do, it may require that to be changed as well. Uh, it's a little difficult to kind of explain all of that because there are a lot of intricacies to it. Sometimes your land use might be commercial and your zoning is residential, but if, all you, if what you wanna do is allowed in the residential, you can still do it for the most part. However, if what you wanna do is change your zoning to something else, but that doesn't match your general plan, designation, now you're going to probably have to change both of those. Um, but there's a lot of variations from one jurisdiction to another and how that works. 
Um, I would say those are the first initial steps um, to doing that research. There is more to it, but it, it's fairly complicated mm -hmm. beyond and that. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to pick you up on something you said earlier about, for example, let's say you think the most likely argument you could have to, to get your glamping approval is that it, it falls under the definition of a campground, which may be allowed within your zoning district. And you said, for example, that there might be rules on, on, on campground developments and one maybe that you need to have a member of staff um, on, on, the, on the land at all times. And you said there might be ways around that. So I know people people's ears will perk up if they hear ways around it. I, I, we, I've been in the business in the UK uh, for a long time and there's people always looking for ways around things. So uh, what, what exactly did you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so for certain, in a zoning ordinance, there's usually an accommodation for what's called a variance. And a lot of people are, have heard that, but and they think that it just means, oh, I can apply to not follow any specific rule in a zoning ordinance. Occasionally, that is true. Some zoning ordinances are set up to allow you to vary from, from pretty much any rule in it. Um, there are two different kinds of variances. One is a use variance, and one is an area variance. Use variances are rare, um, and, and really kind of, for our purposes today, we can throw that out because you're, you're, you're most likely not going to run into that. And if you do, you're going to need some professional help to, to sort it out. So the one that most people refer to is the area variance. And that's when they say something like, uh, you can't build any closer than, than 10 feet or 20 feet or 50 feet from a property line. Uh, that falls under what's called a development standard or development regulation. And that's generally what variances are intended to address. Um, and, and it is uh, typically a fairly difficult process, but it's usually fairly short to get a variance. And you can then bend some of those rules if you can meet the approval criteria. Um, where something like having to have a, um, an employee on site 24 seven would come into play for a variance would be if they have listed that in the development standards and the variance language in the ordinance says you can vary or deviate from any of the development standards. Now that's in that list. So you can apply to deviate from that. There are various, specific criteria you have to meet, um, which would probably be a whole discussion in and of itself, but that is an option. Another thing that may be possible is um, if your use is allowed by conditional use permit or special use permit, through that process, depending on how the requirement is stated in the ordinance, you may be able to negotiate. For example, um, you know, it, it may say, it may be that the conditions of approval on a use permit for everybody else's campground has said that they need to have somebody on site 24 seven. Well, if it's a condition of approval, it may or may not be something that's actually required. And so you might say, well, look, we don't have someone on site, but we do have someone two minutes away and we're providing their phone number that's available 24 seven to every guest. We have the number posted. Uh, we maybe even say have directions to that person in an emergency. We have you know, cell phone service and internet available on site. So we address your concern county by doing these other things. So we don't think we actually have to have some or need someone on site. That may be a way that you can get around it and which way you go to get around it will depend on how it's specifically written in the zoning ordinance. 
And that, that that's the interesting part of this discussion. So, um, you know, anyone can log into their local county zoning ordinances and have a look through, but, but where people like yourself really earn the money is it's a bit of an art, right? So, um, yeah. you, you're never going to see a permitted use glamping uh, under, a, under a zoning district because it's it's niche and it's new. So, for example, as you said earlier, you might have to say, argue that it's a campground. You might have to argue it's a camp or a retreat or even like a hotel or motel kind of thing. Um, and it's yeah. about it's about being really figuring out the, 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 pre the precision um, within the language and really sort of arming yourself with the knowledge of the code and, and and using that when you do eventually speak to the county because you are probably going to have to get a permit you have to make your arguments and it's it's about um you know understanding the language of, of the code right and then really essentially building up your argument and saying okay we think this qualifies as this because it's it's x y and z um and also you know we, we might not meet this requirement but we're going to do this to 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 rectify that and sort of it, you're dealing with people right you're not just sort of ticking boxes every single time you've got to sort of make your argument yeah that's exactly right and i think too i'll i'll, I'll one thing I would say that is kind of a, it's not a, it's not a hack really, but um, what is something that's really helpful when you look at a zoning ordinance, there will always be a section that is definitions, and you want to go there. I go there sometimes first thing right off. I go there to look at what they call the different uses. So you can look there. I start with camp or campground um, for a lot of reasons. I think glamping as a campground is better partially because a campground is a known entity when it comes to zoning and uses. It's been around forever. Counties and towns are, are familiar with it. They're not generally changing those rules a lot. Whereas short-term rental, which is what a lot of people getting into glamping see their business as, is not what the county sees it as. They think of it as, you know, it falls under the campground use. Um, and with, that's a good thing because as we all know, the short-term rental rules are changing rapidly all over the country. And it's really creates a lot of risk for people in the business. Um, so I'll go to the definitions and look for campground. And sometimes it's not in there, but what will be in there is something like day camp or, or resident camp or guest ranch or overnight camp or summer camp or um, RV camp or recreational um, you know, facility. You have to read through those and, and find what works best for you. Because what you might also find is that all of those are in there. And now which one you fall under is going to really depend on what exactly you want to do. Are you going to have RVs there? Like, are there going to be airstreams? Are you people going to be allowed to bring their own airstream? Are you going to have other amenities? Will there be organized activities? Are there communal facilities like a communal kitchen area, a lobby, um, or are there the bathrooms going to be communal or will it be private bathhouses? Will the bathrooms be in the units? All of those things might shift you from one use to another. And the way to figure that out is to look in the definitions of each of those uses. Sometimes there'll be definitions for the whole zoning ordinance, and then there may be additional definitions elsewhere um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the zoning ordinance. So uh, you know, using a search function to search for the, the keywords is really critical right up front. Yeah, and I really want to double down on that as well, because when, when you do eventually go to the county, you, you, you don't want to just say, look, we want to start a glamping site because they'll probably look at you blankly. They might even not even know what a glamping site is. Uh, whereas if you use the language of the of the ordinance and you can point to specifics about within that definition to say, look, our development fits within that definition of, for example, a campground, then you're almost backing them into a corner where they, they, they can't 
deny that it does fall within within the definition right and um it, it, when when for example maybe you know they might have a, someone looking over their shoulder and saying why have you rejected that when it clearly fits within the definition and you sort of you almost have to go into that meeting with more knowledge than they do about the code yeah exactly you know that's just a great point i think there's a yeah there's a couple of reasons like number one um, it's kind of like going to a country where you don't speak the language, like try, at least learn a few words, right? Like start out and ask them in their language if they speak yours. Or, you know, you, if you put in a little effort, you get a lot more out of it because, you know, you really have to remember that these are people working their job. And, and frankly, their job is not to, to, to develop your land. You know, their job is to provide information and to administer the zoning ordinance. But I say this often that it's, it would be like going to the IRS to specifically help you on your taxes. You know, that's not really their job. Yes, their job is to administer the, you know, the tax code, but it is not to specifically help you on your taxes. And so you need to understand enough to go to them with specific questions. And that's where, like you said, learn a little bit, figure out the language, go to them and say, hey, I believe that I want to do this use. And I want to do it in this zoning district. And I you know, have those things down because the other side of that is that, you know, this is somebody who comes to the counter at the planning department and they, you know, or they answer your phone call and they hear you say, hey, I want to do glamping. Like you said, maybe they don't know what it is. Maybe it's not in the zoning ordinance. And internally, I'm sure they just sigh because they're, they probably have gotten similar questions all day, all week, all year. And they don't even know where to start because they know in their mind, okay, glamping, if they have some idea of what it is, they know already there's like five different districts that it might fit under depending on how you want to do it. They don't know how you want to do it. Getting to the bottom of it is going to take forever. They know that, you know, there's just so many things that they realize all at once when you ask that first question, they're going to have to deal with on this call or at this counter. And that goes back to it's not their job to solve all your problems. It's their job to administer the code. And that's why often people get frustrated with the planners at the counter, but it's really because they're not asking the right questions. You got to learn a little bit and do a little bit of, you know, your own work so that you can come to them and show that you can speak intelligently about it. Another thing that everybody finds initially is that they go and they say, hey, I, got, I have questions about this. And they might even say, I think I fit under this use. Um, you know, can I do that? And they'll say, well, give me an exact property and I'll let you know some more information. They're doing that because of all those other unanswered questions that you didn't ask, like what is the land use designation? Are there overlay zoning districts? What is the underlying zoning? What, you know, other, you know, things might apply. When you give them a specific property, they actually go do all that work probably for you. Um, and so they don't like to talk about it unless you have a property. However, you don't have to have a property. And when you're first looking, you probably don't have a property. And so you can either pick one that is that may not even be for sale, but just is a property that has the characteristics that you think you're looking for, <clears throat> or show that planner that you understand there are these other factors. So instead of saying, I want to do a, a resident camp use or a guest ranch, you can go to them and say, hi, I'm looking at these zoning districts without any overlay districts and understand that they need to fall under this general plan land use designation. And I believe what I wanna do falls under this use. Is that where you typically you know, categorize these uses? 
That question lets them know that you understand there are a lot of other factors. You've already looked at them. And if they tell you yes, you're not going to come back to them and say, hey, what the heck? You told me yes, but now I can't because of this overlay district. You know, and then they get yelled at even though you never asked them about overlay districts. So showing that you understand that is really, really helpful in getting a good answer. Um, and then not to go on too long, but one other thing I'll mention is that uh, people don't understand that, that the departments in a, in a county or city handle totally different things. So while we all think maybe of, I need to get permits, there are all kinds of permits and they come from various different departments. There are zoning approvals or permits. There are building approvals or permits. There are things in engineering and transportation and public works that are permits. Really, you have to understand that you're asking somebody who is in this kind of silo of information. And they may, if you talk to somebody in building and ask, can I build this, that, or the other thing? They might say yes, meaning, yeah, you can get a building permit for that. But what they're not looking at is what is the zoning? You may not be allowed to do it based on the zoning. And so people will talk to the building department. Great, I can do it. They go to submit their building permit and then planning reviews it and says, nope, not allowed. And then they are like, but I was told specifically, you know, and, and you're just, you have to make sure you're talking to all the departments. And that's one thing people are, most people are like, well, what all departments? I don't even know what departments I'm supposed to talk to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On that then, what would your first step be if you wanted to speak to the, the county or the city? Who would be the first person that you'd look to speak to if you wanted to develop a glamping or SDR project? Yeah, so if, if you're in that case and you don't know where to look or what all departments to talk to, what most counties and towns will have is a pre-application or concept review or some name kind of like that. It changes depending on where you are, but it'll be something like that. Pre-submittal, pre-application, concept review, a, a term like that. And what it means is before you file a formal application to do something, it's a chance for you to say, hey, here's my idea. What do I need to know? Mm -hmm. um, and that, depending on where you are, will vary from an, a fairly informal review and a meeting all the way up to some places where you pay a small fee, but then you get every department reviewing it and providing you written comments. And then sometimes a meeting on top of that where you get to ask all the questions you want. Um, and in those cases, the more detail you give them, the more feedback you'll get. So a common thing is that somebody will say, I wanna do glamping, I'm open to pretty much every interpretation of that. Like if it's easiest, I would do yurts or if it's easier, I'll do tiny homes or if I can, I'll do this. And so you're not necessarily sure what exactly you wanna do. You wanna do whatever is easiest allowed and will get you there fastest within this larger idea in your head of glamping. And that's fine. I mean, that, that's, that's reality, right? But, but what I recommend is in your head, create an ideal scenario. Find a property, and even if it's just an example property, and say, if I could buy this, it would be perfect. And here's what I would love to do. Because that gets something on paper. It gives the county or, or town something kind of more concrete to review. And then you can even tell them, because usually you include kind of a written description of what you want to do. You can say, this is our plan, but we're, we're looking at alternatives or we're open to other, you know, to changing certain aspects of it. And when you get into that meeting or get your comments and get a chance to talk to these departments, you can tell them, hey, I'm open to these other things, if that makes a difference. Um, I recommend doing as much of that research as you can yourself, um, because the more open-ended 
the question is to someone at a county or town, the harder it is for them to give you an answer because they have to answer every conceivable variation. Um, but once you've given them something concrete, you get so much better information out of it because from their perspective, it's just easier to do that. It, give, you know, it, it kind of puts things in a little bit of a box or creates some parameters for them to understand what you want to do and how to answer. And, and a lot of times you'll find um, that they may get creative too and say, hey, you know, if you just did this, you don't need any kind of zoning approval. You're allowed to do that. And then you're like, oh my God, great. Because you maybe you never would have gotten there on your own. And just to round things off, uh, I know, again, this is quite a broad question, as has been a common theme of this, this episode. But have you, in, you, you'll have picked up a lot of tips and tricks and general pieces of advice in your 17 years of experience in this, in this industry. So what are some general tips and tricks that you would give to someone when it comes to going through the, the zoning and permitting process, whether it's for a glamping project, an SPTR project, or any kind of project that involves going through that process? Like what, what are some general principles that you'd recommend people adhere to? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think the first tip I would give, I'd give to almost anybody doing anything, which is don't be a jerk. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to work with a lot of people uh, when it comes to zoning. And the easier you are to work with, the more people are going to want to work with you. And that goes for everybody at the county or town. That goes for all of your consultants. It goes for the person you're buying the land from, the realtor, the everybody. Um, but specifically to zoning, when you go in, I know that it's easy to get frustrated because it's a daunting thing diving into zoning. And you want the person, the planner, to just like be your angel and save everything. And so when they don't immediately, or you don't feel like they're as invested in your success as you want them to be, just remember that this is just a person and it's not their job to solve your problem. It's their job to administer a code. And so the more you remember that and, and you know, treat them like you would any other regular person, you're going to get a lot farther because they unfortunately get berated all the time by angry, you know, members of the public it's similar to calling customer service where they can't fix every problem you have, but they sure, certainly get yelled at for every problem. Um, and so remembering that and, and working with them is the biggest tip I have. A lot of people wonder how someone in my position gets more done or faster. Um, they think that we have these like, you know, house of cards level insider relationships where people owe us favors or that kind of thing. And it's just not true. I, I, most of the time it's that, you know, we have a good working relationship. The person on the other side knows that we're going to be reasonable and we're going to be pleasant to work with and understanding. And, and that gets you a really long way. The other side of it that helps us a lot is that we do that research and, and we have, you know, I have a lot of experience now, but anybody can read the zoning ordinance and do their very best to understand it. And that's tip number two is learn as much as you can. I know that these kinds of things, you start reading and it refers to something on page 422, and then that refers to something on page 48, which refers to something on page 222, and then you get lost and you have to make your way back to what you were first reading, and it's difficult, yes, but if it were easy, everybody would have already done it, and so you need to put that time in. It's not going to be, uh, you know, it's hard, and you may have to take some time and learn something new, but if you put in that time and you're easy to work with, those two things will get you so far. The last tip I would, I would say is um, always ask, you know, kind of a what if or a is that really everything? So it's often people 
will find what they're looking for and stop there. But instead, find what you're looking for. Okay, my use is allowed. Now really think, is there anything else that might be a problem? So that you, you know, because it's a spider web of regulations. And though you may find what you want on one string, there may be another one that, that is a problem. So really keep looking. Um, I would say those are the top three. On your first one, I know you said sometimes, um, you know, people in charge of planning and zoning have their reputations unfairly tarnished and sometimes are, are painted to be the bad guys when they're not. However, I'm sure you'd agree there probably are some planning officers who are dicks. <laughs> so so how, how would you suggest dealing with someone who just will not play ball and is on a power trip and does not want to um, let your project get through under any circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like we said, they're, they're people. And so you're going to get nice people and you're going to get jerks. I mean, absolutely. And so if someone really is being like that, I always try to just kill them with kindness. I found that eventually everybody comes around. Um, if they don't though, or you just don't have time or it's an urgent issue or whatever's happening, you need to get around them. Typically you can do that. Um, there's a hierarchy in every planning department. Um, there may be, it may be that you got the planner of the day who answered your question. Get on the website and see who the other planners are. Is there a planning manager? Is there a zoning administrator? Is there somebody who might actually be more directly the person you need to talk to? Um, and then dig around, you know, you might have to Google their name and X county, and then you'll find some PDF somewhere that has a phone number for them. Call that number. Um, I'm definitely not opposed in a new county to just calling almost every number I can find and saying, hey, yeah, I'm looking for so-and-so, or I have this question. Is there anyone you'd recommend I talk to? And if that means talking to, you know, the trash department, I'll call them. And, you know, you never know who you're going to run to. And if you're nice and pleasant all along the way, those are other people who've had a good experience with you and it might come back later on and help out. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. So um, final question is, well, it's not a question, really. You're working very closely with us on our launch and, and helping us out on, on various aspects, especially when it comes to client work. But if anyone wants to get in touch with you specifically, uh, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, um, they could go at zoning everything is uh, is where I'm at on social media and then zoning everything.com or nick at zoning everything.com. Perfect. Well, thank you for being the first guest on the revamped version of this podcast. Um, it's been it's greatly appreciated for you giving up your time and also lending your expertise. I think we've got so many useful snippets out there that will no doubt be popping up on TikTok, Instagram, everywhere. And also the full awesome. full, full podcast will be available everywhere as well. So thanks for that a lot, Nick. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.